and welcome to Be Still Be Free. My name is Amber Miller, and I'm here today in our Atlanta studio with <laughs> We're gonna Sarah. Say that I love that. Again. I feel like that's the best thing ever. Make sure to go to Facebook to see the picture later. Of <laughs> we'll see we'll yeah. it a few more. It's very homey. I, it's, yeah, it feels like we're just right at home. We, we are. <laughs> Sarah Cody's home. Speaking of which, Sarah Cody, welcome to the studio. Oh, thanks. I mean, your dining room. <laughs> so nice of you to join us in your house. We're actually we're in a nook. We're yes. like in a nook. This is what we always wanted anyway. In hard chairs. <laughs> yes, that squeak. Now we're trying not to move it. I'm like so. my butt is making so much noise. <laughs> It's the chair, I promise. That's awesome. So, Monica Steely and Sarah Goaty, how are y'all today? I'm laughing. Monica and I have have broken out our readers today for the very first time. Oh, we need to take a picture of that, too. (laughs) We both have them on. Welcome to 40s. Yeah. With their reading glasses. <laughs> the way y'all talk, you think you are you're like 80. I know. <laughs> well, okay, so I had my reading glasses on, and while I was sitting at a stoplight, I pulled four gray hairs out of my hair. Oh, my, my head. word. So, well, well, there you, you go. Know, I'm 80%, so <laughs> great. <laughs> I am. I'm completely white. Around Welcome the, to your around future, Amber. Yeah. Welcome to your future. It's really sad that I'm the young one. I'm 29, y'all. Like, I'm almost 30. It's not like oh I'm God. that young. You're yeah, right. Well, You're a babe. Call the ambulance. I'm a mom. I'm an old mom now. We still put now. you in time out. What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just glad I have you two older, wiser ladies that I can come to for advice when Ella's, you know, yes. being a handful. <laughs> Um, so we, if you didn't have a chance to listen to our last episode, go check it out. We gave you a little, um, update of our lives and our summer and, um, we're excited to be back from our really, really incredibly long break. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but we're starting a new series today called Be Different and, um, we're going to be covering some women of the Bible again. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these are women that you guys have recommended to us. So that's really exciting. We were, we were really excited to hear from you and oh, hear, so um, awesome. uh, you know, even some people that we didn't even know were in the Bible that Thank we you had for introducing we, us. Yeah. That's we right. looked into. So thanks for that. And Sarah is going to be leading us off yes. on our first episode with Abigail. So yeah. Sarah, take it away. So I have never even heard of Abigail before. <laughs> This is my first. I mean, I'm sure that I've read through the Bible, so I'm sure that I read about her, but I there was no retention. Yeah, um, and it's a, not a long story. No. So she's yeah. literally in First Samuel 25. Like that's that's, that's her story. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it's a crazy, pretty impactful story, to be honest with you. And um, I like it because one of there's two articles that I will um, put on the. The blog post to give them credit. Um, but I loved one of them said there are three main characters in this story. There's um, Abigail herself and then I guess you would pronounce his name Nabal, Nabal and that is her husband and then David who will end up being King David mm-hmm. and pretty much that is that those are mm-hmm. the, yeah, you know, that's it. set stage. Yeah. Um, so Abigail's name meaning is father of joy or cause of joy. I thought it was interesting that there is some question whether that was her actual given name or if she was actually given that by her people. 
mm. because of who she was, of how she handled her husband and such. So I'm mm. going to give you just a little brief overspiel of, of hers and things about her and then the story, and then we'll dive in. Because yeah. I think probably a lot of people don't know the story. Sure, yeah. um, we don't know much of who she was, or where she came from. There's no mention of her genealogy or her personage. We don't even really know much what happens after um, her time with David. Um, she shows wisdom. She seems to be well-educated. She reminded me of um, of Mary. Remember how we talked about Mary must have been really well-educated edu- because yep. of the knowledge that she had mm-hmm. of the law. Um, she knew about the coming of the Messiah and so forth. Well, Abigail is very similar. She, she already knows the prophecy of David and what has been told him that he will become king. Um, she knows about the law. She knows what she's supposed to be is a wife um, in, in custom and so forth. Um, she is a believer of the one true God. She was most likely married um, to Nabal or Nabal through an arranged marriage. Um, he's a wretched drunk. He is a worshiper of idols. Um, his name literally means fool or folly. Um, and he's literally known to live out the meaning of his name. Um, and that's who she is married to. I mean, given to this. So man. you have to wonder if she would have chosen. That's right. That. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it mentioned in one of the articles that most likely she would not have because she would have chosen somebody of like faith. Yeah. Um, she knew that that was important and, um, he was a wealthy man. And so most likely her parents, uh, put her with him because of his wealth. Um, and that he knew, they knew that she would be taken care of and they would be taken care of. He was not of nobility, but he owned farm. Uh, he had a lot of sheep and he had the shearing of the sheep and he made a lot of money off of the shearing of the sheep apparently. Um, at this time, the same time, David is a fugitive from King Saul. So he has been for quite some time. Uh, he and his men, there are 500 or 600 men are living with him that have all been exiled from, from where Saul is. And they're living out on all these lands. Well, he takes care of, I'm going to just say Nabal instead mm-hmm. of saying both. Nabal's lands, he takes care of his um, herds. He doesn't allow any of his men to kill any of them, um, even though they were hungry and they were desperate. He doesn't let anybody else steal from him. Um, he takes care of the herdsmen, uh, them well um, and and basically is just kind of an aid to them over over this time and it comes to a point where David is out of resources for his men and they have been on the run for such a long time they have no resources they have no food his men are hungry and so David um, sends a couple of messengers to Nabal and he says hey listen dude I have been honest to you. I have taken care of you. We know each other. My men are hungry. Can you have provisions for us? And Nabal's just like, no, why would I do that? I don't know you. And Mm -hmm. pretends that he's never met David, has no idea who David is. Um, and, and basically just sends the, the messengers back and say, you're hmm. on your own. So as you can imagine, David didn't always have the best of tempers. And so this enrages <laughs> He's him. very emotional. He's a little passionate. I like the word passionate. Yes. He, lived, he wore his heart on his sleeve. Uh-huh. Or Blessing. spicy. I don't I know. know. Mm-hmm. This doesn't hit home or anything. So apparently David, you know, is, is angered immediately. And he says, hey, guys, go grab your swords. We're going to attack. And we're going to attack in the night. And we're going to take him out and we're going to take out all of that he has and what he has will be ours. 
Well, a servant has overheard this conversation between Nabal and um, David's men and hears Nabal's response and knows this is not good. Yeah. And so the servant runs to Abigail and says, hey, this just happened because Abigail was not a part of this conversation. She had no idea any of this had happened immediately. She begins to put provisions together and she puts all these provisions together. And then she personally escorts these provisions out to David. She sees David. They're kind of in a, in a valley where they can see one another. They're protected. And she gets, she rides out on, on a donkey. She immediately gets off the donkey and she doesn't like go up to him and be like, dude, you cannot attack my husband. And you know, she just falls at her feet and bows at him and just kind of like, humbles herself. You know, I mean, you think about that. She didn't have to. She was the one with the husband with all the land and all the provisions. She goes out and says, you know, please take my sincerest apology for my husband's behavior. She even tells David, don't, don't listen to him. He's a fool. He means exactly what his name is. And so she goes out, tells David, hey, listen, don't do what my husband does. He's foolish. But instead, take what you deserve. You have been good to us. You have provided or taken care of us, protected us. Please take what you deserve. And great, uh, David was greatly impressed with her and allowed for this to bring peace. And so it totally softened his heart. Mm. The way that she approached him softened his heart. He decided not to go to war, not to, to slay this family in this house, and um, takes all the food that they had and feeds his men. Abigail returns home, decides to wait until the next day to tell her husband because he's drunk and out of control and she has enough wisdom. Again, she's a wise woman to know this is not the time to tell him that I went behind his back and did exactly the opposite of what he said no to. (laughs) She's a smart cookie. She's a smart cookie. And so the next day, as he's sobering up, he comes in and she tells him and he immediately, it says his his heart hardened and became like a stone. They think that this means he either had a heart attack or a stroke. And he lives for 10 more days and dies. As soon as he dies, David gets word that that he has passed away. And he was so um, enamored with Abigail that he sends messengers to her and says, come and be my wife. And she immediately packs her bags, takes five of her maidservants, and she goes. And they're married and live happily ever after. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that just crazy? Um, Okay, so I've decided that Monica chose this... person for me because she kind of divvied this up and she sent me this article and I started reading reading it and so in in an article it said that literally it says it's literally of Abigail in harmony with her many attractions was the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit (laughs) (laughs) so it's felt like you could relate to her (laughs) which is more lustrous than the diamonds that decorate the delicate fingers of our betters shown as an ornament of gold around her head and chains around her neck this is exactly what they talk about in Peter when they're talking about the wife and the husband and the unfading beauty of a gentle gentle and quiet spirit is of great value to the eyes of the Lord because it's not about the outward adornment it's about the inward adornment and I said so okay Either she's saying that I have finally conquered yeah, it, gentle and quiet, yeah. and so I can talk about Abigail, or I need to continue to learn about <laughs> time. And so 
I should leave that up for interpretation. <laughs> I wish I could say it was that deep. I'd really, I'd really like to say that she picked me there because it also, the name of the article that she sent me was that Abigail was called the woman of beauty and brains. Ah, <laughs> that's exactly why. Ah, that's exactly why. That's so, exactly why. seriously, when I'm just doing my first like bits of studying about this, I couldn't help but giggle. <laughs> I like, oh, I see how this works out, guys. So, you know, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. So I really want to talk about the ways that she was dis- different. I think there are some very pointed things about her character that we need to think about today as women. Mm-hmm. Um, one, she chose wisely when to speak in opposition of her husband. Um, as a Hebrew woman was restricted by the customs of her time to give counsel only in an emergency and in the hour of greatest need, Abigail, who had risked the displeasure of her husband, again, who's a drunk and a wretch, yeah. whose life was threatened, did not act impulsively and go into David to plead for mercy. And I thought, um, how many times do we act against our husband, our boss, our parents and we talk however and whenever we want yeah she had the wherewithal the again she was a wise woman she had the wherewithal to know when it was time to speak in opposition of her husband i am sure this was not the first time that he had done something that she could have gone behind his back and said he's an idiot Right. Don't listen to him. But this is the time that we're told about in scripture. And you can tell she knew she knew David was to become the king eventually. Yep. And so she knew she couldn't risk David getting killed because of her foolish husband. Right. She knew that this wasn't meant to be. And so she put all of that wisdom together and then she decided to speak and she thought about it. She knew. And then she put her provisions together. She didn't just go out and try to talk him out of it. Right. Um, And so I just think, I think that's huge. She chose wisely when to speak, Mm -hmm. slow to speak. And that was a a, 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 um, verse that kept coming up a lot with her slow to speak, swift to hear. Well, you know, there's that proverb that says a well-timed word is like a bowl of golden apples, I think is how it goes. Yes. So like it's the well-timing. Yeah, it is the timing. Um, Secondly, she spoke plainly and simply. So when she goes out to David, she doesn't just get off the donkey and say, let me tell you about my husband. You know, he's such an idiot and, you know, he's done this and she didn't even try to prove to him how stupid her husband was. She's just like, listen, this is what his name means and this is how he is. But the first thing she does is she gets off and bows herself to Mm -hmm. him and Mm -hmm. she says, you deserve this. Please take it. Forgive my husband. Don't fight. That's mm-hmm. all she says. She doesn't beg him. She doesn't fight with him. She doesn't tear she him doesn't down. She doesn't try to manipulate him She either. does mm-hmm. not try to. Which she's just very plain yeah. and very simple. And we, we talked about that in one of our, um, oh, what was the Be word? Be bold. Be bold. To speak simply and to plainly. speak plainly. We think that it means to speak um, loud. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to be forceful, combative, uh, offensively. Yeah, like we need to, um, you know, we need to uh, go and, and tell somebody how we feel about something. Yeah. No, to be bold literally means to speak simply and to speak plainly. Just say what you have to say. Don't manipulate. Don't let there be emotion behind it. Just say what there is to say and let let it do its yeah. job. Let your yes be yes. How many times do we speak the ugliness of others to someone who will listen or to someone we're trying to convince that we are right. Yeah. Because really she could have gone to him and berated her husband and trying to convince David 
of how stupid he really was. How or even unwise said, like, he was. if you only knew how many times I've had yes. to come clean up his mess and come behind him. And well, and too, like, if you think about her, what she probably wanted. What it said. I mean, what I would. I don't know. This is speculative, but um, she probably wanted to marry David. Like that would have been a lot better yeah. for her, knowing that he is like a right. wiser man and a. But she mm-hmm. didn't go to him and be like, "Why don't you go kill my husband and take me as your wife?" Or yeah. you know, yeah, she didn't want to she be with her husband. She didn't try to manipulate or passively aggressive get what she wanted. Yeah. Um, she just did the you know what she needed to do to yep. do what was right, yep. mm-hmm. and that was it. Yep. yep. And we're going to talk about that in a minute, about how she stayed and then she moved on. And you think about a boss, you know, that's wronged you, that -hmm. you can't stand working for, Um, a teacher. You know, I have to talk with my kids about this constantly, that, you know, a teacher is still a person of authority and you still need to show them the respect that you're supposed to at least show. Um, They may not deserve above and beyond. And there was another podcast we did. It was the difference between respect and... um, Oh, what was that one we did? Be, uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. I, I can't remember. remember. We've done so many. Now. One is deserved, and one is by position. Um, uh, yeah, it was something about uh, something about authority, respect It'll your come elders, to us and to this. Yeah. So yeah. you know, and trying to tell my kids, hey, listen, people of authority deserve to have a certain level of respect that you get them, whether they earned honor. That's right. Be honoring, honoring, be honoring. Um, and so I'm like, you have to honor those who are in authority. Honor, honor was the authority. It was the positional yeah. and respect was the 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 earned. Um, and so here, right, she is showing honor yeah. to her husband by not throwing him under the bus. But she's also almost showing honor to David because she's not burdening him with the details of her life. Yeah. Um, and she's wise to do that because she's not giving too much information. How often do we give too much information? Again, in the hopes that we're going to get that person to be like, yeah, I can't believe that that happened. Get on your side or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to make you feel validated validated. for how you feel, you know? Um, Thirdly, she built David up in the Lord and spoke respectfully to him instead of trying to bully him and convince him not to fight uh, Nabal. We just talked about this a little bit, but I want to read these verses. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he hath spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, no offense of heart unto the Lord, either that thou, and this is NIV, even that thou hast shed blood cost or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt with the, with my Lord, then remember thine handmaiden. And so she's basically saying, listen, dude, don't waste your time on this. You have been called to a greater calling. God is delivering you to be the king over Israel. You don't want to hold this bloodshed under your hands. This is causeless. And you don't want to have to feel bad about this. So don't sweat the small don't stuff. Sweat, yeah, don't sweat the small stuff. Be good. But she admonishes him. She builds him up. And there's so much wisdom in that, that when we want to to see people change, that we build them up, that when we're trying to get them to do something different, we build them up. And this has been really big um, parenting skill for me. Um, and even even marriage-wise, I'm having to learn to do it more. And I, because I'm I'm just a I'm a very plain and, and simple speaker, but sometimes um, I don't have an emotional tone to what I say, and so it just comes out. And but the perception reality gap happens, right? Sure. I didn't really mean it to be that way, that but the perception was that I was heartless and you know very dogmatic about what I had to say. So I've learned that even with the kids, like. 
tell them something good about themselves. Tell them mm. something you're proud about them first. And then say whatever you have to say about what you need to handle in that moment. Um, it's just the wisdom of how to speak to other people uh, and to hold your emotions and hold what you could say and all the negative, trying to speak the positive instead of the negative. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, for sure. Because I don't think we do that. Yeah. She was wise when she told Nabal what she had done. I think this is beauty too, because this is the law of timing. Um, and Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore, she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. I mean... She probably feared a little bit for her life, I would imagine, because she totally went against him. Um, But how often do we just say whatever comes to our mind whenever it comes to our mind um, and just say it, even though we know the timing is not right? Mm -hmm. Um, She could have come in and just wrung his neck and let him have it in front of everybody and belittled him and tore him down and made him feel like, um, you know, she totally squandered him. The wife went against you know, because it was not, um, it was not the custom for a wife to do that. A wife right. only was allowed to give her advice or her input when asked for it in right. the desperate time of need. So, um, I just think, you know, if we held our tongue often and spoke in the most timely time, how many oppositions, how many fights, arguments, hurt feelings, um, offenses could be avoided. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like we were talking earlier about telling your kids to take a deep breath and to breathe because you're less emotional. You can catch your breath, you know, catching your breath, taking a 24 hour, you know, rule counting to 10. Mm -hmm. You can save yourself a lot of heartache. I talk with Ryland about this a lot because he's extremely reactive, um, verbally, passionately reactive, emotionally reactive. And so I tell him, even though he's 17, I'm like, just still count to 10. Like when you feel those feelings wailing Mm -hmm. up inside of you, just count to 10 because you'll Mm -hmm. be amazed at how much more self-control you're able to gain and clarity just by counting to 10 or Mm -hmm. walk out of the room and go to the bathroom and give yourself a time out. See how you Chris and I have talked about this lately because we, whenever we are having a disagreement, I'll be like, I, I'm done. I don't want to talk about this anymore. I just, I need, I need space. And he'll be like, no, we're going to finish talking about this. And I, so the other day we finally got over an argument and I'm like, when I tell you, I need to walk away, I need you to let me walk away. Like, that's your benefit. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's my way of saying to you, I've reached my point. I'm, yeah. I'm too emotional on the inside and I'm afraid of what's about to come out. So just let me walk away for a little bit. I always come back because I like to deal with things. I never. I never, I'm not a stuffer, but just let me walk, walk away for a yeah. little bit and yeah. then come back and we can keep talking about it. Uh, and so I think, I think he's finally starting to understand that. <laughs> After 20 years, after <laughs> 20 years, listen, yeah. this is why marriage is ongoing, on ongoing, ongoing work. We're still working on it. Okay. This is another part that I really loved. She stayed and then she moved on. It is to the credit of this noble woman that she did not leave her godless husband or seek divorce from him, but remained a loyal wife and the protector of her worthless partner. Okay, that first of all, that's huge. Mm -hmm. Because we divorce people all the time. And I'm not just talking about marriages. We divorce work relationships, employment opportunities, schools that we don't like, family members. We leave everything because we don't like the way it makes us feel. That's exactly right. But she remained a loyal wife (laughs) and the protector of her worthless partner. She had taken him for better or worse and life for her was way worse 
than the worst. Wretched through her though her life was, and spurned, insulted and beaten as she may have been. You've got to think she was. She had for him. If he to be was a that much of a wreck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She at clung, least verbally, if not. Yes. Physically. Yes, that's exactly right. She clung to the man to whom she had sworn to be faithful. Now, in no way am I saying that if you are in a tumultuous, abusive relationship, By that because means. Abigail stayed, you're supposed to stay. This is just clarity of her character, clarity of her calling. And I'm going I'm to say this in just a second. Abigail manifested to a love stronger than death. But the hour of her deliverance came 10 days after her return home when by a divine stroke, Nabal's worthless life ended. When David hearkened to the plea of Abigail and accepted her person, he rejoiced over being kept back by her counsel from taking into his own hands God's prerogative of justice. So here um, she, she bows down with her face to the ground and says, I'm your servant and I'm ready to serve you and wash the feet of the Lord's servants. This is when David has said, come. So she says, I'm coming. Mm-hmm. And then Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five female servants, went to David's messengers and became his wife. So here's my thing. How often do we leave a situation before being truly released by God? Mm-hmm. How often do we take things into our own hands, knowing God has not released us from something, and yet we continue to quit. And we've talked about this. God will not release you from one thing until he calls you into another. And this is exactly God calls you to something. Not from something. something. That's exactly right. Um, And so she was released of her marriage and called to David Mm -hmm. and to be his first wife. Um, Do we talk ourselves into believing that God would not want us to be miserable or sad or tough? Um, the Old Testament and New Testament both are filled with stories and examples of people's lives filled with misery and despair that God never rescued them from. So the idea that we've made in this culture today that life is supposed to be easy, and if it's not, then we should go find it. Life's supposed to be happy. If it's not, go find it, is completely opposite of so much of what the Word of God is all about. I mean, Jesus' own life was about his journey to the cross. Um, and so I love that she she knew the Lord, and yet she didn't, that we know of, question him in a way that showed rebellion, and she didn't leave him until she knew that her time had come and she had fulfilled what she was supposed to fulfill in her marriage to him. And then how often do we not leave misery when we have been released from it? Change mm-hmm. can be hard and challenging. Staying can sometimes seem easier, but it is mm-hmm. not what God would will for us. So you know, I, I've heard people say, well, I don't want to quit. Quitting is not just quitting a job and moving on. Quitting is sometimes giving up on life and staying miserable where you are because you're not willing to do the hard work and move forward. You're not yeah. willing to become a better person. You can or a find comfort person. in your misery. I was telling a friend of mine um, recently, um, like she, I've known her for a, almost 20 years and all, all of that 20 years, except for the last maybe five have just been filled with crisis. And she's now at a place where like, she's kind of walking through this healing process. And, um, I was just telling her, you know, like this is going to take you a while because you've never not lived in crisis. And so your automatic default is crisis mode. And like you, what you're going to have to be careful of is making everything a crisis. Cause you're used to being in crisis. Yeah. Kind of. A yes. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 
I, I often like to say my friends who are suffering in, in different ways that um, we look at things as things happening to us because we're in the middle of it. We don't, we're not like Jesus where the heavens are higher than the earth and the waves are higher right. than ours, right? Um, we see this. And so we see things happening to us, but really it could be something happening for us. Had, had this not happened to Abigail, she would never have been able to be released and met David had she left him mm-hmm. she would have never met David she would have never married him she would never have been rescued you're talking about how she probably you know how many times do we look at something man I wish that would have worked out for me right and here it did because she stayed um, well and if she would have left she probably would have been ostracized from community that's right because she would have been divorced in mm-hmm. those days right and the other thing is if she had left she would not have been able to intervene and what if David had been killed because of his you know erratic passion in that moment of being angry and not getting what he wanted and deserved. So again, just because bad things are happening to us, it might be exactly where God wants us because we're going to do something for the kingdom um, and he needs us there. So there were a couple of things that were some of my favorite um, thoughts and quotes that I want to quick read. And then I've got two little practical applications. This brief glimpse into the life of Abigail speaks so loudly as to the impact a wise woman can have on the life of a man. She protected both her current husband and the man who later would be Become her husband. Abigail seized the information given, understood what needed to be done, and then she did it. Mm, I, I love, love that. We can never gauge the effect of our words and actions upon others. The intervention of Abigail in the nick of time teaches us that when we have wisdom to impart, faith to share, and help to offer, we must not hesitate to take any risk that may be involved. And then Abigail understood the value of a gentle and quiet spirit. That spirit might be what kept David from going into a senseless situation that could have killed him or rewrote his biography. Everything we do has an impact on the kingdom of God. What will your impact be? I love that. Um, Go ahead. One of the things that I loved about the second thing you said was just like she had a willingness to be vulnerable. Yes. She did. The 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 payout of that ended up being completely in her favor and it could not have been but she it, for whatever reason it didn't matter and she just was willing to be vulnerable even in her bowing down in her like sh- kind of sharing her heart like with this quote stranger yep. i mean she just that was a really vulnerable thing well, to do. and she was willing to be different mm-hmm. right i mean you think about it that's really what it boils down to she was willing to do something that most other people probably were not willing to do on yep. so many levels yeah um couple of resources that I got a lot of that from that I'll put on our blog post and then practical application. I just would take time to reflect on how Abigail was different. Um, is there one area that you see that you know you need to work on you being different? Are you mm-hmm. impulsive? Are you more like David? Are you hard-hearted? Maybe you're more like Nabal. Um, are you willing to stay in tough situations? Whatever that is. I mean, look at her life. That's why God wrote these stories for us so that we could learn from them. Yeah. We could grow from them, that we could see we're not the only ones that have had to go through difficult times of adversity. Um, now put a plan in place for how to practice that different. Because if you don't put a plan in place, we've always said, yes, you know, you're... Thoughts, actions, habits. Um, 
Maybe you need to ask for accountability. Maybe you need to write post-it notes and put them all around the house. Maybe you need to pray for God to give you awareness and ability. Maybe you need to memorize scripture. Whatever that is, put a plan in place. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You can do this. You can rewrite neurotransmission. You can rewrite your reactivity. You can. You can. You just have to be willing. And Addie and I were speaking about this recently because she has some of her own adversities that she needs to try to overcome. And I told her, I said, you know, everybody has weaknesses and strengths. Everybody has areas of being different that they need to work on. The the difference is, is that some are going to look at that and say, yes, I will. And some are going to look at those and say, oh, well. And we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. When you look at adversity, do you see I will or do you see oh, well? Most people see oh, well, because it's too hard to go through the purification and to write the scriptures and write the post-it notes and retrain the way you think. But it's the people who do that that truly begin to be able to live in freedom and they don't stay in misery and they don't stay in mediocrity and they don't they don't give up on life. It's hard, but you can do it. And, and Dr. Carolyn Leaf talks about the renewing of your mind and how when you renew your mind, you literally rewrite the neurotransmission of what's going on in the brain. So if you can conquer that, we are more than conquerors to him that loves the Lord. When you can conquer your own difference and and where you need to change, then you will feel like you um, truly have a God who enables you to be what you need to be, to be the best kingdom builder that you can actually be. Mm. So that's, that's my Abigail. I personally resonate with Abigail. I think everything about Abigail's not, I mean, I'm not in an abusive relationship or anything, but I think um, her story of timing, her story of willingness, her, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of, um, you know, we don't, we don't need to constantly barrage people with what we think, you know, you need to pray about the time that you speak to somebody. You need to ask if it's necessary for you to speak. You need to ask him to give you the words to speak. You need Mm -hmm. to make sure that you do it in a gentle and kind way. You need to do it in a way that admonishes and builds. And that's what she did. Yeah. Nothing she did was tearing down nothing in either person. She protected both her husband and who would be her husband. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. And again, this isn't just husband and wife. This story can be used in any authority relationship that you have going on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. (laughs) That's that's deep. Okay. Yeah. Um, Monica, would you pray for us? Yeah. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for the word um, made alive and active in our lives right now today. I pray that um, those that have listened to this episode, that you will just shine a spotlight on what you would have them take away and how to apply that in their lives today. Lord, may we all um, embody a spirit of Abigail as we continue in relationships with those that we love and that are around us. In your precious name, amen. Amen.